Section 9 of By Ox Train to California, A Narrative of Crossing the Plains in 1860, by Lavinia Honeyman Porter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sue Anderson. Section 9, Chapter 15, An Indian Funeral, The Pack Train, Welcomed by Lumbermen, Descending into California, First Glimpses of Mining, We Sell Out, the journey's end. We imagined, when we had progressed so near our journey's end, that we had bid a final adieu to lo, the poor Indian. But we were yet to see a more degraded specimen of the red man than had been our privilege hitherto. Certainly the Indians we met in the Sierra Mountains were more degraded and more filthy than any tribe we had met in our wanderings. These Indians migrated from the valleys to the mountains in the fall to harvest the pine nuts growing so plentifully in these forests, and on which depended their food for the winter months. We came upon them frequently everywhere through these mountains. The lazy braves, mounted, leading the way unhampered and free, were followed by troops of obedient and slavish squaws on foot, laden with huge baskets, in which the harvest of nuts was loaded. These Indians were inferior in size and stature. The largest brave rarely exceeded in height a little over five feet. They were extremely homely and repulsive, with wide mouths and flat, ugly noses. Their hair, black as jet, cut straight over their low foreheads, hung at the back and sides in long, straggling strands. The squaws wore their hair thickly plastered with pitch, and a broad band of pitch was smeared across noses and cheeks. They were horribly filthy and covered with vermin, and their dirty offspring were strapped as usual to a board and carried on their backs. While this band of Indians was busy harvesting their annual crop of pine nuts, one of the young squaws was taken suddenly ill and died. She was the wife of the chief and great was the commotion among them at her untimely taking off. It was the custom among these Indians, when a death occurred in their tribe, for the superannuated squaws to become professional mourners. They would immediately proceed to stain their already tarred heads and faces with a more ample supply of pitch, and then burst forth with the most dismal wails indeed the forest and mountains reverberated with their unearthly shrieks for the dead. This weeping and wailing was continued through the long hours of the first night, and all the following day until near sunset. It was our privilege to witness the strange funeral ceremonies over the body of this squaw. It was carefully rolled in her soiled red blanket. Then a huge pile of dried pine branches was erected, on which was placed her dead body. Her nearest relatives grouped themselves about the funeral pyre, while the others stood around the outside of the circle. For an interval of ten moments or more, perfect silence reigned. The loud wailing of the aged squaws had ceased, and, just as the setting sun was about to sink below the horizon, one of these ancient mourners, an old squaw whose head was literally covered with tar, raised her arms heavenward, and gazed long and steadily at the sun as it slowly sank from sight. At intervals she muttered some low incantation, her bronze countenance lit up with a strange intensity. For a short space of time she stood in this position, 
then suddenly with a blood-curdling shriek she sprang forward and seizing a brand from the campfire lighted the funeral heap the flame shot high in the darkened forest the aged squaws whose bent bodies rocked to and fro in rhythmic time renewed their plaintive wailing and all the other indians of both sexes joined in a pathetic chorus and chanted a funeral dirge sounding to our listening ears like emalaya emalaya all swiftly turned their faces toward the setting sun then back again upon the funeral pyre it was a strange and weird sight to us that circle of bronzed indians around the burning corpse while the song or chant was being sung each one swayed mechanically to the measure of the dirge but their stolid countenances hid any expression of grief or woe for several days before reaching the summit of the sierras i toiled slowly up and over the narrow winding trails stopping frequently to rest and catch my breath on and on always higher and higher frequently meeting the mule pack trains carrying freight and merchandise from california over to the deserts of nevada these mules were burdened with every variety of merchandise furniture flour and freight of all kinds securely fastened on to huge pack saddles around their necks was strung a string of bells which warned teamsters and pedestrians of their approach these mules never gave the right-of-way to anyone in many places the road was so narrow and the mountain so steep above and below us that i was obliged to squeeze myself as closely to the cliff as possible hunting if i had time some place that had been excavated a little deeper in the side of the cliff than usual and standing there perfectly still until they passed me by their burdened sides pressed close against me as they crowded along it was rather trying to the nerves to have from sixty to a hundred pack mules rushing past one with scarcely room for one's body as we continued to ascend i found that i could no longer keep up with the team and the slow-moving oxen would outwalk me in the early part of our journey i could without effort outwalk them but not so now my husband frequently halted the team to wait for me oh how glad was i to catch the sight of the waiting wagon in which i could lie down for a brief respite at last we reached the summit in the early days of october and camped a day and rested in strawberry valley the atmosphere at this altitude began to grow shivery at nightfall a keen frosty air permeated everywhere our camp was in the neighborhood of a lumber or rather a shake settlement four or five young and vigorous men from the new england states had located a timber claim in the heart of these immense pine forests and were busily employed in getting out lumber and making the shakes that were in demand for building purposes all down through the sacramento valley with true california hospitality they visited our camp and as the nights were cold insisted on our sharing the comforts of their cabin for the night james turned to me to see what i thought of the proposition i could easily see that he wanted to accept the invitation and have a talk and smoke with these hospitable mountaineers i too longed to be under a roof and sit by a warm fireside 
needless to say we accepted before we reached their cabin i heard strains of music from a favorite opera which i was surprised to hear in this mountain wilderness when the cabin door was opened we found a young man who played the violin with the skill of a virtuoso the bright light from within the cabin showed a most cheerful interior there was an immense room with a roughly boarded floor the spaces between the logs of which the cabin was built were unchinked and let in volumes of fresh mountain ozone in a rough stone fireplace huge logs were burning a square homemade pine table occupied the center of the room it held a few books interspersed with pipes and tobacco at one side of this room was a rough couch covered with the skins of wild animals and very comfortable there was a rocking chair that one of the men had made the seat and back formed of skins like the couch this was immediately whirled in front of the fire for my benefit and it was a great luxury to be seated once more in a real rocking chair as for the last six months i had either sat upon the ground or on a humble soap-box with neither arms nor back for support indeed the smallest suggestion of home or home comfort was very grateful the rough walls of the cabin were decorated with the various trophies of the forest antlers skins of wild animals indian bows and arrows and guns of various kinds were stacked in the corners or hung on the rough walls the huge fireplace took nearly one side of the room around the other sides were bunks built into the walls which served for beds the mattresses made from flour sacks and filled with hay were fairly comfortable when covered with their gray and blue blankets the whole interior presented an inviting and homelike look to us belated emigrants and for a mountain cabin occupied solely by men it was cleaner and more neatly kept than would be expected our little son greatly amused these men with his childish prattle and continually questioned them about the various trophies decorating the walls of the cabin demanding the history of each one and the manner of acquisition his infantile opinions given without the least reserve and with a seriousness beyond his years caused many a covert smile and frequently a hearty laugh from them such a long time had elapsed since they had seen or conversed with a child that they pronounced it a great treat and he was handed around from one to another until the sand man caused his weary eyelids to hang most heavily and he called loudly for bed one of the larger bunks was assigned to us for the night then the men lit their pipes and stole forth into the night giving me ample time to undress and get to bed at early dawn they made themselves just as scarce until my morning toilet was completed a knock at the door was answered by my husband and there stood one of our hosts with a freshly scrubbed tin wash basin filled with warm water and a clean flour sack for a towel politely apologizing because he could do no better for us the hearty breakfast was prepared in the rough shed adjoining the cabin and i greatly enjoyed a meal that i had not cooked myself and i found the biscuit made from sourdough and soda most excellent while eating our breakfast the men insisted that we should tarry with them another day 
they appeared to take unusually kind interest in us and complimented my husband on the pluck and energy he had exhibited in so successfully engineering his way across the plains alone and unaided we were both inspired with hope and confidence by hearing that such enterprise and courage as we had shown was bound to succeed in a new country taking james around part of their claim they showed him their primitive workshop and told him of different sections of good timberland waiting for someone to preempt and open up they told him also much of their own prospects and the already successful business they had acquired finally they wound up the conference of the forenoon with an offer to james to stay and go into the lumber business with them asking for no money in the transaction of course we had our good three yoke of oxen which were very much needed in a logging camp as a further inducement for us to stay they offered to build another cabin near their own for us a family in their camp would add so much pleasure and company to their isolated lives particularly as the long winter was approaching james felt almost persuaded here was a business and a means of living open to us who were strangers in a strange land with little or no capital except that vested in our traveling outfit i think were it not for my approaching confinement he would have consented to remain with them he finally told them that we would abide by my decision i was weary enough from my long journey to stay and rest and under other circumstances would have given the kind and opportune offer a grateful acquiescence but i was young and inexperienced and dreaded going through my coming ordeal so far from nurse or doctor i have since learned that pioneer women in a new country can do without the services of either one and fare just as well we enjoyed our stay with these people and reluctantly bade them farewell promising them if we found no location or business suited to our wants that in the coming spring we would return to their cabin among the pines of the sierras as we began the descent of the western slope the wayside houses grew more frequent and we met numerous vans carrying freight over the mountains into nevada occasionally a fruit wagon appeared with pears apples and other fruit from the fertile sacramento valley this was the first fruit we had seen since we left salt lake the huckster kindly consented to sell me two pears for fifty cents and i think the price made them more enjoyable while we were descending what was then called the hangtown grade we stopped to water our stock at a wayside inn the proprietor noticing that we were emigrants came out to our wagon and said to my husband stranger have you got any sugar to spare in your outfit we're clean out the freighter who was to bring our groceries from sacramento is way behind time there's nary a pound of that sweet stuff in the house and the women folks are all clamoring for it fortunately we were able to oblige him with several pounds and as it was near dinner time he insisted on our coming in to dinner with them i demurred at making my appearance at dinner even in a country hotel as my blue plaid gingham gown was much soiled with the red dust of the road and i had neither time nor opportunity to make a fresh toilet but all my excuses were overruled and we were ushered into the rough dining-room 
i found the other guests were as unkept looking as myself while enjoying the luxury of a meal with fresh meat well cooked and plenty of vegetables with good mountain butter and cream i forgot i was not dressed for dinner never was there a meal more thoroughly enjoyed the potatoes were soggy and the saleratus biscuit golden-hued but oh such a welcome change from bacon and beans as we continued down the western slope of the sierras we found besides the towering pine other trees with a strange and beautiful foliage such a wonderful variety of oaks and the picturesque madrona with its bright and shining leaves the peculiar bark was very curious to robert my little son who discovered when he cut a branch that the red bark peeled off smooth and clean the handsome manzanita with its brown berries furnished food to birds and bears and to the roving indian as well on the down grades as we more rapidly approached the foothills we felt that at last our feet were planted on the soil of california the far-famed land of gold where we thought to pick up the precious metal by the wayside how we searched the dust and rocks as we passed along for traces of the golden ore we observed ditches running here and there filled with yellow water which in our ignorance we imagined was colored by the particles of gold running through them along the ravines and near the brooks were men prospecting and washing the dirt and gravel in a queer arrangement called a rocker in the hopes of finding what they called pay dirt many of the watercourses had been deeply and widely cut for miles bringing the water to miners in their different locations little cabins serving to shelter the busy miners dotted the hills which were honeycombed and tunneled in every direction in the eagerness to find the precious metal we were greatly interested and enthused as we lingered and talked with some of the more fortunate miners who had struck a rich find of pay dirt in the surface diggings but the beauty of the surrounding country was much disfigured with all manner of ungainly heaps and ridges prospecting perhaps was necessary but it did not tend to beautify the face of nature beautiful little natural springs abounded bright and clear as crystal but every rill leading from them was turned to liquid mud by some devastating prospector or gold seeker california in yielding up her wealth of hoarded gold surrendered much of her charm and beauty near a branch of the american river we saw our first chinamen these strange-looking men were then a source of wonder to us with their queer habits style of dress and their long braided queues hanging down their backs or else tightly wound around their shaven heads that were covered with a most peculiar hat looking like inverted washbowls made of straw in groups of five or six they were digging the dry gravel and washing it with a sort of flume and wheel arrangement that brought the water down into the rocker several times we stopped to listen to the curious intonation of their voices once we made inquiries of a group of these strange men about the road we should follow as we had arrived at a point where it forked in two different directions but they stupidly looked at us and said no sabe getting no information from the chinaman fate took us in hand and decided our direction we took the road that appeared to be the most traveled 
and thought we were on our way to placerville expecting by nightfall to camp within its outskirts the sun was getting low and still no town in sight a prospector carrying his pick and shovel and a bundle of blankets met us in the road from him we learned that we were miles off our road to placerville but on the direct route to the town of Folsom. It had been our intention to drive to Sacramento via Placerville as we had been directed, and make that city the terminus of our long pilgrimage. We felt chagrin that we were so far off the road, but the prospector, who seemed to be well informed about the country, told us that we were even nearer to Sacramento than if we had taken the road to Placerville next day at noon we drew near a thrifty-looking farmhouse and finding no place for our stock to graze as all the land was fenced in we drove up to the barnyard gate and asked permission of the rancher to drive within his enclosure and asked him to sell us some hay to feed our stock to this he readily consented allowed us to make a fire in his barnyard to boil our coffee and seemed very accommodating all the time he was walking around our cattle and appeared to be very much interested in them they in spite of their long journey were in excellent condition looking sleek and well kept james was a careful and prudent driver he was always solicitous for the welfare of his stock and kept them curried and groomed until their hides shone like satin the rancher looked them over and over again pleased at their gentleness and docility he examined our wagon also, and asked numberless questions in regard to our journey, the length of time we had been on our way, and to what place were we going. Finally, he ended his interrogatory conversation with an offer to buy our whole outfit for the sum of four hundred dollars. This offer, coming upon us so suddenly, caused us both to hesitate for a moment before replying noticing our hesitation he added i will give you and your family a week's board in the bargain and that will give you time to locate yourselves this almost took our breath away coming upon us in such an unlooked-for manner we could not in reason refuse such a satisfactory offer it was a much larger sum than we had even hoped to get although we had been told that horned cattle were very high at that time in california within less than an hour's notice our trunks and personal belongings were removed and our wagon oxen horse tent and camp equipage were turned over to the rancher imagine my consternation when he insisted on our going at once to his house i had no opportunity or time to make a change in my dress and attired as i was in my soiled and tattered gown dusty and dirty from the strain of travel and camp my husband clad in his worn and begrimed red flannel shirt his rough corduroys stuffed in his rougher boots my little son in his worn outing garb we presented anything but a prepossessing appearance i dreaded woefully to face the wife who knew nothing of the strangers her husband was ushering thus unceremoniously into her well-ordered household we met with a more civil reception than i expected although she looked somewhat askance at our worn garb we were at once shown into a very plain but clean bedroom adjoining the kitchen my trunks were brought in and i unpacked some clean fresh garments 
and after the luxury of a good bath and having removed the red dust of the road we gladly donned the garb of civilized society and looked and felt fit to be once more within the pale of civilization when the bell rang calling us out to supper i was pleased to note the change in the demeanor of our hostess who gazed upon us with ill-concealed surprise such is the power of good clothes for the unkept and soiled emigrants had blossomed out into really good-looking people my husband although browned by six months exposure to the sun and wind was wonderfully improved when shaved and dressed in a boiled shirt and collar and well-fitting clothes i felt proud of him when i compared him with the somewhat slovenly rancher as for myself i had worn my shaker sunbonnet so closely and was always so vain of my white hands never allowing myself to go ungloved save when cooking that i bore no marks of the emigrant when i discarded my emigrant garb my fair-haired little son robert looked exceedingly picturesque in his natty suit of blue i could easily perceive that we were making a new and more favorable impression our bedroom for the night was in such near proximity to the kitchen that i could overhear every word that was spoken there the next morning i was awakened by a conversation between our hostess and the hired man who had come in with his pail of milk has the boss been buying any emigrant cattle lately he asked yes she replied he bought out an emigrant family yesterday and they are to stay a week with us well replied the man there are two dead oxen and one cow laying in the corral nothing was said to us at breakfast about any dead animals but after breakfast was over james went out to the corral to see for himself and there lay stretched out dead and cold our beautiful black jill and buck our favorite lead oxen and our gentle little cow each of them had apparently been well and sound the day before feeding that last day in the open foothills they had eaten of the poison parsnip which grew there so profusely at the time of the sale they had shown no signs of illness either to us or to the rancher james insisted on returning some of the money that had been paid to him but the man would not take it he insisted that it was his loss under the circumstances of the trade our hostess the next morning gave us a large airy room upstairs during the day the elderly lady mother of the rancher said to me we have a piano in the parlor that we brought around the horn with us but no one here can play upon it perhaps you play i replied that before we left the states i had been considered quite a musician but had had no practice for the last six months at once i was ushered into the unused parlor and the piano unlocked and divested of its rubber covering and i reveled once more in the touch of the familiar keys playing over and over my long neglected music i soon had an audience from all the household including the hired man and the chinaman my efforts seemed to captivate them all not that it was excellent but because they were hungry for music after discovering that i had this accomplishment nothing was too good for us each vied with the other to make our stay delightful and begged us to remain until the end of the month but james was anxious to look about for business and i felt the need of getting settled before my fast approaching confinement 
at the end of the week we left the home of these good people to whom we became very much attached we found in the neighboring town of Folsom, and five or six miles from our new-found friends a little cottage of two or three rooms exceedingly small and primitive but roomy enough for our needs larger than we cared to furnish under the circumstances we had not fully decided where we were going to locate permanently and only provided ourselves with the bare necessities that we must have for comfort at last we were settled down for a rest from our long and perilous journey how i enjoyed the quiet of this humble little home the cessation from the continual moving on my morning's peaceful sleep without having to rise at the first peep of day and get ready to travel onward and here after an interval of two short weeks the stork put in his appearance and our babe came to us the mother of the grandsons for whom i penned these lines my dear husband was worried beyond all measure for fear that the long and tiresome journey would prove disastrous for me but i came bravely through the trying ordeal i have now finished my narrative of my six-month journey overland to california many things have been omitted owing to forgetfulness or lack of skill in selecting what to many would have been more interesting some things have been included which perhaps it would have been wiser to omit i have tried to relate all faithfully as i remember it while striving with my refractory memories i realized that they were sometimes unsatisfactory to myself and probably would be to others and while i have forgotten much of the less interesting parts of the journey yet in the main i have kept close to the most striking incidents of our long trip as we congratulated ourselves that all was well that ended well we could happily say with california's own poet joaquin miller in his pioneer that rest sweet rest is reckoned best for we were worn as worn with years two thousand miles of thirst and tears two thousand miles of bated breath two thousand miles of dust and death end of section nine end of by ox team to california a narrative of crossing the plains in eighteen sixty by lavinia honeyman porter